You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local madhouse of the multiverse, and I am the Mad Hatter himself, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is every single week, bouncing in here from who knows where in the multiverse, Christy Morris. You mean Christine. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot that. I'm in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. So uh, <laughs> welcome, Christine. It's so good to have you. Thank you. Uh, yes, it's doctor. Uh, I actually, you know, now study the multiverse for a living and it's a, a busy job. There's endless things to learn. This is true. This is true, which is why we've brought in our multiverse expert in Amanda Pfeiffer, who is... Um, well, she is Pfeiffer in this universe, uh, which is great. Well, yeah, that did so, happen. So, yeah, that, that, which is a change. The Nupidals commenced. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was made even more <laughs> official by the fact that, you know, you also have a little one on the way. So you've celebrated your first Mother's Day of the multiverse. I have celebrated my first multiversal Mother's Day, and it was spectacular. Brunch was delightful. Mm. As it should be. Out of this world, if you will. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We are going to have a blast as we talk about Doctor Strange <laughs> and the multiverse of madness. Uh, just want to say thank you to everyone who's listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for uh, giving me a week off last week as uh, I was out of town. And then I have been recuperating from being out of town for a week now and feeling better and Glad to be here to talk about this. Uh, you can help us out by giving us a star rating review uh, wherever you get your podcasts, especially Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can also follow us over on Twitter at The 602 Club. We're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. We've got the entire network over online on the website at trek.fm. Uh, you can send us a contact over there uh, at our contact section if you'd like, so we get email. And, of course, there's a listeners-only discussion group you can join over on Facebook, where you can talk to listeners from all over the world about the different shows that we are doing. Also, we want to say huge thank you, too. We've got uh, our supporters through Patreon, and at patreon.com slash trekfm, you can see how you can be part of our team There is no way we can do this without your help. And so we ask listeners just like you to go over to patreon.com slash trek.fm and become part of our team. Well, we talked a little bit before we started and about how jam-packed this movie is. Um, And in then trying to figure out how we were going to talk about that, uh, kind of broke it down uh, into our main characters. And first and foremost, Stephen Strange. Uh, and 
how this, to me, really feels like kind of a culmination of all he's learned from the first film, uh, as well as his subsequent appearances. And so one of the big things Christine tells him is that you always had to be the one holding the knife. This idea of, of him being in control. And so as we've watched him from the first Doctor Strange through the Avengers movies and now into this, how do you feel like this character has grown? And, and do you feel like he's come to a place that is healthier and more beneficial for the multiverse of badness? Um, I think that he's definitely grown as a character. And by the end of this film, definitely he did reach a healthier point um, of where he can let go of his need to be in control of every single possible outcome. And I think that that was a great resolution to kind of watch happen, knowing where his character started and the struggles that his character has faced that are all centered around control and a lack thereof. Um, so I, I do think that he made leaps and bounds in this film. Yeah, I'm with you, Amanda. I think he um, certainly changed from the first time we saw him in the original Doctor Strange movie where everything was about even just his hubris. You know, it, mm -hmm. he was the greatest surgeon in the world and then couldn't use his hands anymore and then decided he was the greatest magician in the world um, or in any world. Um and I think sometimes you still kind of see that rear its ugly head with him um, that he just can't imagine why things are suddenly going awry because he's in control of the situation. Um, even if he's not a selfish person anymore, um, I think sometimes there were those moments still. Um, but he's definitely learned how to be a team player. And I think you see him morph even more in this movie because of I'm thinking specifically the scenes where Wong says it's a custom to bow to the Sorcerer Supreme. And he says it several times. And Stephen just looks at him like, I'm not bowing to anybody <laughs> until the end. What about you, Matt? I think one of the things that I, I really appreciate about this movie is that um, you, we've had a long time with this character now. And so, you know, in the first movie, it really is about him kind of learning, like you said, about his, his hubris and the fact that he cannot control everything, even though he's going to try. And that culminated, obviously, um, with Infinity War, where he chooses the only path, an option that he sees as giving them a chance, uh, a fighting chance to live. And that's going to require his sacrifice, his ultimate sacrifice, and um, so the, that he's learned to be able to, to follow the right path, um, even if it takes that personal sacrifice. And it, it's for the greater good. And I love that he's learned to be able to use his power, you know, not for his own gain, for, but for the benefit of others. And in fact, in this movie, he rejects more power. And instead, empowers another in their own power. And that is such growth. I mean, even from the beginning of the movie till what we get at the very end. Um, and what it makes him, too, is just a great model for everybody around him. 
Um, you know, it makes him a great model for Wanda. It makes him a great model for America. Um, even for, for Wong, you know, the fact that they have this back and forth relationship, you know, because Steven used to be the Sorcerer Supreme. And of course, the five years that Strange was gone, uh, it, was, it was what uh, helped him lose that that ability. Um, because, well, you can't be Sorcerer Supreme if you don't actually exist. Um, and so <laughs> there's a problem there. And yeah, I think it's the thing as well. That we see that that Stephen has kind of been put in this role that uh, we saw Tony kind of get put in, which was um, an unintended role model, because right before this, he was working with Peter Parker, and now he's working with America, and it's it's not intentional. But he's a better role model than Tony ever was for these characters. Um, and he's become the one that is there to kind of teach them what it means to be a hero, even even though it's not on purpose. Like, he's not taking them under his wing or anything. He, they, It just is happening. Mm-hmm. And again, I think he's a fantastic role model in the sense that he's showing them exactly what they... Uh, need to do to be a true hero and we see that at the end right um america is willing to give up her power because she realizes how important this is and she's learned that from dr strange who's been spending this whole movie showing her that i'm going to do whatever it takes to keep you safe um and in the end what keeps her the most safe is uh helping her find the control of her own powers. Uh, so, you know, when it came to Steven in this movie and his growth, I just thought that they did a really, really good job. Um, and what did you guys think about his predilection for breaking the rules and how that plays into the movie? The rules apply to everyone except for Dr. Stephen Strange. According to him, or so he (laughs) thinks. And I think that it was an eye opener for him throughout this film and seeing the choices that his other selves and other universes have made and the repercussions of those choices really impacted how we're going to see his character going forward, making decisions, Um, maybe a little more rule following or at least a little more respect for why those rules exist because he's seen what happens when they are taken too far broken too down too much so and that's kind of a fine line that he's walking Mm -hmm. because on the one hand you know there are things that he does where it's it's creative thinking he's a problem solver he's trying to find any way he can to get around whatever is blocking him from making a decision but then sometimes to the catastrophic detriment of everyone else. For example, when they mention an incursion being caused Mm -hmm. and completely annihilating two whole worlds and not just one and not just making a small mistake, but completely annihilating places altogether. Um, And it's like, you know, he, he has to realize that he does need to do exactly that. Like you said, you know, 
he needs to take a step back for a minute and realize maybe he doesn't always immediately know what's best and needs to listen and try and take those things into account and come up with a compromise rather than thinking, I'm just going to go with this route because this is what I think is best. Although he did reanimate his dead Mm -hmm. self. So I think that was a pretty big rule break, but it was like the bad book of rules. So maybe that doesn't count. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know, maybe it's only the good book of rules that you can't touch. (laughs) uh, The the thing that I was really interested in is that the, the reason that Steven breaks the rules. And we see that here in this movie and we've seen that previously is that he's doing it for the benefit of others and for the greater good. Um, and you can obviously misuse that idea, but what we see here is that, you know, when Stephen picks up the Darkhold to use it, it's not for the benefit of himself. He's not trying to gain more power. Mm-hmm. He's trying to gain a power that will allow him to affect the outcome of saving America's life. Um, and... Instead of him trying to be able to wield power to which will give him more control, it's the very opposite of what he normally had done before, which is to try and control everything with more power. Here, that's not his goal. Um, And so when he had broken the rules in, uh, you know, Infinity War, when he's breaking the rules here specifically, this is all about using his powers uh, for completely good intention, which is, you know, one of the reasons why I think um, we see him get that third eye at the end. Uh, And um, it's I was I was doing some reading and they, they said it's it's the eye of Agamotto which is meant to show wielders the truth. Um, And so it seems like that's going to be very important, especially for Dr. Strange in the future, because he's going to be going to places in which it's going to be hard to tell the truth from a lie. And he's going to need something that helps him understand that. Um, And, because he had stopped Wanda from stealing America's powers, um, it, it kind of explains then, I think, why um, the third eye would be something that would be beneficial to him in the future and not a curse from using the Darkhold, especially since, too, he helps encourage Wanda to destroy the Darkhold for good. Um you know, mm-hmm. so again, he doesn't want this power for himself. So all of that to say, I, I just I found it really interesting that his breaking of the rules is very different than the other rule breaking we're seeing in this movie. I was just going to add one little caveat, though, with that. He he is warned, though, multiple times that even if you have good intentions, that using the Darkhold could have permanent repercussions on the reader. So he's still taking Mm -hmm. a huge risk, even though he doesn't want to use it for selfish gain. And that's what I was wondering if long term, the third eye may be a good thing, but it could also be a sign that he is now permanently changed in some bad ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That whole scenario kind of reminds me of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone with the Mirror of Erised, where 
the mirror, Dumbledore had the mirror set basically to give the stone to someone who wanted to possess it, but not use it and not use it for themselves. And that's mm-hmm. the only way that it was safe to retrieve the stone or in this case to use and break the rules with the, uh, the, the do not touchy book. Mm-hmm. That's a, I really like what you're saying there, Amanda, because I think in some ways it does go to show how the choice that that Stephen makes to use the dark hold again it has nothing to do with um him like he's not choosing it because he's like oh well, i need i need more power i need to be able to do this um it's about uh reaching into the the other universe and saving america's life um, and saving the universe as we know it, the multiverse as we know it. And what's interesting, too, is that he does not uh, inhabit a live version of himself, but he inhabits a, a deceased version <laughs> of himself, which I'm wondering if there's anything about that that makes it different. Because you're not violating the spirit of that person because that that person is gone. Um, you know, and you're mm-hmm. not pushing their consciousness to the background uh, and all of those kind of things. It does raise a lot of questions. And, and Chrissy, I think um, one of the things that we know about Doctor Strange um, is that there are going to be unintended consequences that probably play out slightly differently than we think they're going to as we move forward. Um, but this is a character to which, you know, has not been above uh, breaking rules to save the universe. And I think, you know, um, it's something to which plays out really well in the the film um, with what we're teaching other characters too. Now, I did want to ask you guys one interesting, a couple of interesting one. Uh, so No Way Home, Spider-Men don't all look the same. But mm-hmm. almost every universe we visited, it felt like, most of the characters look similar, at least the Doctor Strange characters did, like Doctor Strange and Christine, but then other characters mm-hmm. seemed different, and so I was kind of thrown off by that and wondered what, how you guys took that. I'm not entirely sure why they chose to do that, maybe so that they could work in some alternates, and I know that they wanted to pull some stuff from What If um, and have that play into it. So maybe that was the best way to make it work. And then with Doctor Strange and Christine being two pivotal characters in this film, um, in their own respective universe, as well as within the multiverse, it was important for them to be distinguishable as opposed to token characters that were maybe a little more in the background or just like in it for a couple of minutes for an action sequence. They had to make it different enough, but the Mm -hmm. same enough that the key players were recognizable and Mm -hmm. easily recognizable. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think, you know, um, here, I don't know. I don't necessarily think that they needed to make him that different. Um, Because like with Mordo, for example, it Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense. But I feel like with Strange... um, he's always got a very distinct look to him. I think just because of like his hair color, Um, you know, I I did think it was funny that they have him remark on having a ponytail in another universe. (laughs) 
That was funny. Um, yep. But at least like his costume was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently he spoke Spanish in that one. Yeah. Baxter, um, you know, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I that wasn't that noticeable to me, but I could see how people might take issue mm-hmm. with that. It was just interesting because, you know, uh, Captain Marvel wasn't the same. Professor X was, but not quite. Um, the Inhuman mm-hmm. King was the same as the one that was on the Inhuman show. It's Anton Mount, who's uh, Captain Pike in Strange New Worlds. Well, Reed Richards was totally different. Yes. Uh, so that, you know, um, we'll talk about that a little bit. But yeah, you know, so uh, it was interesting how some of the characters were consistent throughout the universes and looking pretty much the same um, with the same features, the same face, you know, basically the same character and how, you know, we've seen others aren't. Um, and I guess in in many ways, when you're talking about the multiverse, that, you know, in the grand calculus of the multiverse, you're going to get a lot of characters that look exactly the same and a lot that don't. So um, I, I, I can definitely let that go. Um, what did you guys think of the surprise at the end with Clea, who's Dormammu's niece, um, and leads them to the dark dimension and they go off on an adventure together because of an incursion. Well, I'm excited to see whatever they're setting up for the next film because that sounds like a Doctor Strange 3. <laughs> but I'm, I don't have enough context of um, who she is. I have not read the comics. Don't sue me. Nobody come for me on the inter- interweb, please. Um, I have not read the comics, so I don't think I have the depth of knowledge to really know what to expect from that. I don't know. What about you, Christy? Christine. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Dr. Christine. No. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, That's I, I Dr. Mean, I Multiverse to you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think it's interesting because clearly they're having to go bigger and bigger in scale. Um, you know, when we first experienced seeing Dormammu, it was this completely almost... Um, incomprehensible character because he's so vast um and you know the interaction between dormammu and dr strange was so interesting um so i'm really curious to see how it pans out but i don't know at all what Mm -hmm. to expect yep yeah i i don't really either um i was really fascinated to find out that you know she is dormammu's niece and that um, she becomes the Sorcerer Supreme of the Dark Dimension. She ends up married to Doctor Strange uh, in the uh-huh. comics, which is fascinating. So I, it does seem like they are really setting up. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Doctor Strange, as m- open as he has become as a character and as um, much control as he's let loose with, Uh, and just kind of held a lot of things in an open hand one thing he hasn't is is really opening himself up uh his most intimate self um and it's because he's been scared which is completely understandable with the with the choices he has to make it seems like all of the time um the idea of being with someone has got to be terrifying because either you might lose them or they might lose you. 
Um, and so to have them go in this direction now where the last area of control of his life that he's going to, uh, you know, to explore would be the one that opens him up to the possibility of romance and a life with somebody um, since Christine is taken now is, I think, uh, the perfect way to go. And makes me excited then to see what they would do with him and Clea. And very interesting casting, too, you know, with Charlize Theron. Um, and so mm-hmm. uh, it, that's a real tip of the hand if they're, if she stays that character. Um, that's, a, that's a huge person to cast, you know. And so I, I am definitely excited to see where that will go. And part of that is just because I'm really enjoying the character of Stephen Strange as a hero in the Marvel Universe um, in a way that I didn't really know was possible. I think that comes off the heels of everything we saw with Infinity War and Endgame, as well as, of course, uh, No Way Home, where this character, I think, has truly come to life. Um, And my newfound respect for the original Doctor Strange film, which, you know, we talked on... Assembling Avengers and John and I both ended up liking that movie much more than we did the first time we had both seen it. And um, it's become one of my favorites. So, uh, yeah, this is this is really cool. And on top of that, of course, we're we've got Wanda Maximoff, who is back uh, now after WandaVision. And we very much continue that story. Um straight from the last time that we saw this character, which is she was in a house uh, commuting with the Darkhold um, and no good was going to come of it. And so I wanted to ask both of you about her character arc as she is, as I like to put it, she's using the devil's tools to play God and create her own reality. I love Wanda so much. And I feel so bad. Like I've told Eric, my husband, this a hundred times over since we've been watching all of the Marvel films over the past, however many years, she has gotten one of the rawest deals out of any Marvel character in this universe. Like watching trauma after trauma compound themselves with no time to recover. And then when she does have time to recover, there's no one there to help her. She's by herself and stuck in her head and makes terrible decisions that do end up hurting people. And what you see is a cup of grief that is filled so high that it is pouring over and hurting everything it touches because she has no more room within her and it's just spilling out. And I, it broke my heart to watch where her story ended um, because she's never really had the tools or the ability to help herself. And she hasn't had any support system. Her support system died. Mm -hmm. So I, it it was, it was really sad to watch all of that go down um, when all she wanted was the life that she wouldn't ever have with vision. So, right. Yeah. I think you kind of touched on everything that, you know, she has a lifetime of the most intense traumatic events someone mm-hmm. could go through, you know, losing her parents, then losing her brother, then losing the person she was in love with her home, Sokovia, her home. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then being a superhero, you naturally only have a very limited network of people that would understand your problems that you could lean on for support. And now all of them are gone because of Thanos. Um, and now we're seeing her after all of the events of WandaVision as well. So, yeah, I mean, she nothing with her is intentional. It's all just compounded of not dealing with her grief from all these yeah. events and not knowing how um, that's caused her to then do things that hurt people that she she doesn't want to hurt people. And I love that they even have that scene where she says, I'm not a bad person. I would never intentionally hurt somebody. And you're thinking in the moment, though, well, um, but <laughs> you kind of are, but you're kind of hurting the kid's mom in front of them. So, yeah, it, you know, you don't you say you don't want to, but <laughs> you you want what you want. And you're being very selfish in every way to get that. Um, but I like that they're showing that the only person that could save her from herself is herself. Yep. I think that she was a very well-written example of what happens when someone does not deal with what has happened to them because what happens to you, no, that's not your fault, but healing from it and dealing with it, that is your responsibility. And she never took that responsibility. And this is where it ended up. She almost destroyed the multiverse in her quest to get what she thought would make her feel complete because everything else was gone. Mm -hmm. I, what about you, I <laughs> don't know if I would agree completely with both of you to say that, that she's had the worst things in the MCU happen to her. I mean, I think uh, even specifically of Peter Parker, who's, who's lost his uncle somewhere in the past. He's obviously lost his parents. He lost Tony, uh, which is his father figure. Uh, he lost his aunt. And then he lost everybody he loves knowing who he is. So he's literally alone in the universe. Oh, and accidentally killed his girlfriend. Well, that's other Peter. If you're thinking of Gwen <laughs> Stacy. Yeah, different yeah. Peter. But so I, I think just about everybody in the Marvel Universe has had a ton of trauma happen to them. And how they've dealt with it is is part of where we go. But mm -hmm. I, one of the things about Wanda, is, and especially off of um, WandaVision, she's so blinded by her rage and she's so blinded by her pain that the power of the Darkhold adds to those feelings. And she's willing to kill whoever stands in her way to get what she perceives to be true, which she says, I'm a mother, Stephen. But the truth is, she's not. The reality is mm -hmm. she's not. Um, and if she really wants to be one, there are natural ways to become one. Not this unholy quest to take over another version of her body so she can be those kids' parents. Um, and it's only in the end when, you know, she's confronted by the terror in her children's eyes does she see the monster that she's become. You know, she tells mm -hmm. Stephen, she says, I don't think it's fair. You know, the fact that you break the rules and become a hero, I do it and I become the villain. Well, that's because you literally took over an entire town and were a monster there, 
but nobody would tell you that or have you go to counseling to deal with it. Um, and here, mm-hmm. um, it's the same thing. And mm-hmm. you can't make reality and truth whatever you want it to be uh, because they're always going to be just what they are. And that's exactly what America tells Wanda. But you'll always know. She'll know the truth. She'll know the truth that she had killed America. She'll know the truth that she had stolen her power. She'll know the truth that she basically killed the other version of her. You know, like, the truth of all of these things can never be changed. Um, And so trying to create your own reality and your own truth is not something that's ever going to work. The only thing that can truly bring healing for her would to become to acceptance of what's happened and the desire to put right what she can. Um, and maybe she just needs to step away from everything um, and mm-hmm. not by committing suicide or anything, but by yeah. stepping away from the, the life of quote unquote the hero, stepping away from any of those things and working to what she can to live a peaceful life um, and to find peace for mm-hmm. herself because of all that's happened to her and maybe even find peace in helping others. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, how good would she be possibly at um, helping to raise and encourage all of these younger heroes because of her m- correct motherly instincts um, and put those to good use, you know, so I, I, it's, it's something to which I love the thematic element that plays out here. And I love that we can finally just admit Wanda is a monster. Wanda is not a hero. And, um, that's one of the things that made me so mad about WandaVision. We pretended like she was a hero at the end. They'll never know what you gave up for them. Mm. You didn't. No, they know because they were living it as you forced them into this life of unreality. <laughs> um, but but and and now the whole multiverse is almost subjected to the exact same thing of uh, being under the thumb of um, an evil witch, and she lets it go, which is great. And whether or not she's alive or not, I don't know. I suspect that she still is. She's too powerful, I think, to have been killed by bringing down the Darkhold. Um, But that's a lot. Uh, And I think it makes good use of the story, finally. Um, And it also brings the character to a close in a way that um, makes sense. Uh, and, uh, I think thematically, um, works much better. And so will she be able to find some redemption? I'll be really interested in that. She started off on that foot by destroying the dark hold in every single universe. Um, mm-hmm. what, or if she comes back and how she utilizes her power in the future, that's going to be something really interesting. But this is something to which I was, um, I really gravitated towards um, because I think the uh, 
desire to create your own reality and your own truth, something that we see quite frequently in our world. And this movie shows that's not possible because truth and reality are always what they just are. And um, just to piggyback on that, I did want to say I thought it was a really um, intriguing twist to have you know the the initial story be about how strange is going to wanda for help to figure out what demon is chasing america and then inadvertently what demon <laughs> what demon Ta-da! the wanda demon you know her um and uh you know it i'm going to relate it to to something else that makes sense to me and anyone else who plays D, but um the reveal that her orchard is actually this dead wasteland is the same thing as uh, in Dungeons and Dragons. There's a spell called Death's Mirror, and it says, although it can give you new life, it's only a mirror image and not the truth. Scarlet Witch Wasteland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> But, you know, it's that was a a perfect thing to, you know, go along with what you were already saying that about how, you know, it your creation of your own reality is never going to be the same as actual reality. Right. Or, you know, whatever is the truth. Um, It'll always pale in comparison. Well, and you can only reap what you sow. And she had not been sowing life and fruitfulness. (laughs) And I think that was another metaphor that was very plainly put in that scene. But I, I feel I feel so terrible for her character, though, because you could see in WandaVision when they showed you how Westview came to be that she had like a very firm parting with actual reality. Like she didn't yeah. understand necessarily what she was doing. That girl's brain is broken and she needs some therapy. She needs a cup of tea. She needs, she needs a, a whole lot she of needs serious a lot therapy. Of things. This girl needs a lot of things. And <laughs> <laughs> I think going to get her dead boyfriend's body was a pretty rough start, too. <laughs> but it was, I think, a nice one positive moment with her was seeing herself from the other universe come yeah. up and put her hand on her chin and seeing Wanda in the Scarlet Witch costume break down and actually for a minute accept her grief and be open with it um, was a good moment because it's like you have to let it out. You can't bottle everything up and just keep on going. And pretending like Mm -hmm. it's not there because clearly that's not doing anyone any favors. Right? No, it's spilling out. (laughs) (laughs) Your crazy's coming out. Well, and to not deny the fact that you know that she does love but misplaced love can destroy things and we see that big time here Mm -hmm. and uh, i i really appreciate that as well is that um love is not all you need um you also need reality and so (laughs) by not having that she almost destroyed what she thought she loved and uh, brought it all to an end. And I think, too, that, you know, we mentioned a little bit beforehand, but there are some big surprises in the movie. And the biggest, uh, we knew some of them were coming with the Illuminati being introduced. 
um, with these characters from Mr. Fantastic to Captain Carter, Professor Charles Xavier, Captain Marvel, but not the one we know, Carl Carl Mordeaux, Captain Carter, uh, and Black Bolt, uh, the Inhuman King. And um, so how did that play out for you? Um, and are you hoping to see any of these characters come back? I want to see more Mordo because we have not gotten any resolution from that storyline since he stole the one guy's legs. Like I want <laughs> in in the current universe. So I would love to see either one or both Mordos play a part co- going forward because there's definitely some bad blood with other Mordo as well. Um, so I think that that would be the top one that I would want to see. What about you, Christy? Um, It was definitely an interesting thing to see because of course they tease that you're going to meet this Illuminati and that he's being taken to them, but you have Mm -hmm. no idea who it could possibly be until you see all of them up there. Um, So I thought it was a really cool thing to try and um, have some kind of jury of his peers kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And then talk about how they got rid of him um, because of something they felt was the right way to handle it, which was really creepy. Um, the um, the characters though that were part of the Illuminati, I'm kind of glad that some of them were killed off seemingly permanently because, I mean, the original Fantastic Four movie with um, Jessica Alba and Chris Evans back in the day as the Human Torch was not a good movie. So... Um, I'm okay if Reed Richards is gone, but I do love John Krasinski. So maybe his take would have been interesting. I don't know. Um, the only one that I was kind of rooting for was um, to see more of Mordo, kind of like you were saying, Amanda, was just mm-hmm. how that story could grow um, or for um, Captain Carter, because it was awesome to get to see Peggy come back, but in a new light. Um Yeah. I was a little surprised. Um, I was telling my husband that it wasn't um, Falcon since we just saw Falcon and Winter Soldier and saw him take up the mantle of Cap. Um, but I'm still cool with, you know, there being the Captain Carter. Mm-hmm. I loved Mr. Fantastic. Um, and I didn't see really him being connected to the Fantastic Four we had seen before. Um, and I know they're doing a Fantastic Four movie. And so I would not be surprised if you cast John Krasinski as this role, which a lot of fans have been asking for him to be uh, or Mr. Fantastic. So they're uh, incredible anyway, just together as a couple. So to have them actually be together uh, as part of the Fantastic family, I think would be awesome. Uh, Man. I was really mad that the Captain Carter was spoiled for me on Twitter. Uh, I love Haley Atwell. I loved her mm-hmm. in the Captain America movies. And if we could get more Captain Carter, I think it would be phenomenal. You know, and having Charles Xavier back, I thought was wonderful. Um, obviously, very different uh, version of the character than we've seen before. Um, with uh, the um, the different chair, and so really setting him apart from who we've seen before. Yes, they all died, 
but I expect to see them back somehow in some way. Uh, and, you know, again, you don't cast John Krasinski and, uh, you know, then not have him in future films. Um, so uh, I think he's just too good of uh, an actor. Um, he's just really, and he was really fun in the role. Although he's supposed to be the smartest man uh, in the world, basically. And uh, he didn't seem so smart when he approached Wanda. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I ex yeah I expected uh, uh, you know more of him than just kind of reaching out his hand and then being turned into spaghetti. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, him and Emily Blunt would make a fantastic Invisible Woman and uh, Mister Fantastic. So, um, and uh, you know, obviously, this is just something that helps make the Marvel universe even bigger now so i'll be really interested to see whether or not they show up um and so and part mm -hmm. of that uh what we've gotten uh in making the marvel universe bigger is being able to traverse the multiverse uh in a way that it doesn't cause incursions because america chavez that's her power and what an incredible actress gomez is uh, sometimes you get kids in movies and they're super annoying. She was not at all. Um, really enjoyed her in the film and loved her relationship with Strange and how it grew. Um, and the fact that, you know, he teaches her to accept who she is and uh, her gifts and models for her, how to use them for the greater good. Um, it just, it was wonderful. Yeah, I thought she did a fantastic job, and um, I liked seeing how Strange kind of stepped into a pseudo-parental figure and was a lot softer with her than we've seen him be previously with any other characters and a lot more paternal towards her. Um, and it, it was good to see the growth that she caused in him and the growth that he caused in her, and I thought that that was a really intriguing relationship that I would love to see explored further as they both grow. I, yeah, I thought that it was really um, a nice thing getting to see Steven getting to be like a teacher again for someone. Um, and definitely, I mean, you know, having the power to travel between the universes and the multiverse is an interesting thing, you know, and it could be used in a lot of good, good ways or bad ways. Um, so I like that they make that sort of like the, the Holy grail that all of the other characters are trying to get, um, and that it could even possibly be taken away from someone, um, was interesting. Um, mm -hmm. the thing that I think does her a disservice is just that the way she's introduced, um, I think that the reason that with the previous Marvel um, phase that you're so invested in the characters is because we got more time with them and we're we understand their backstory more so then we're we've they've earned that care and so with her I just never really got invested in her story because I feel like she was not really mentioned in the trailers I think they advertised it as a Doctor Strange and Wanda movie 
And then I was really confused when this movie started and we had this character that I had never seen before. <laughs> um, and that her story is kind of skipped over. Um, so I, I just felt like with the scenes with her that are supposed to be dramatic and emotional, that it just didn't really get a response from me because I didn't build up that emotion for the character yet, if that makes sense. Do you feel that way at all? For me, I think I connected with her character, um, especially once they were in um, the universe where they went to the memory bar, per se. And Mm -hmm. we got to see a glimpse into what makes her her and that experience that she had the first time that she used her powers. Um, So I think that that did create a little bit of an emotional pull for me um, and wanting to see her resolve that um that trauma within herself because she was carrying such um a weight of responsibility and grief for what she felt was her fault so mm-hmm. i think that was a good hook for me okay. yeah i think that one of the things that we get with her as a character is um is some very quick understanding of of who she is and what's happened to her. And um, because of that, you know, like you said, Chrissy, we don't spend a ton of time on that. But I thought that they did an adequate job of helping us understand where she's coming from and what it is that she uh, needs to learn. And part of that, is what so many of these characters are needing to learn, which is to trust one another. And Christine needs that, you know, especially from uh, the alternate universe uh, to to trust Stephen again. Uh, you know, uh, Stephen needs that to, to be able to trust uh, the characters that he meets that, you know, like Mordeaux, uh, or he's like, oh, well, we're going on red, you know, um, <laughs> Mm-hmm. because they hated each other in the other universe. And, uh, you know, America really has to learn that as well. Um, and one of the things that we see is the fact that I think Stephen models so well for her what she needs to do that she is a better version of herself by the time the film ends. Um, I would have enjoyed seeing more, though, Christy, um, and just uh, I think it, it's one of those things where this movie's so jam-packed um, that it would have been nice to have even more of them together. But um, no, yeah, it makes I, sense. I mm-hmm. think I agree with both of you, though. Um, it could have been more. But at the same time, um, I I also enjoyed her uh, as a character, and I feel like they've set up uh, a way for us to be able to have um, more of her story in the future, um, which is an exciting prospect. What did both of you think? Uh, this is a huge movie with action, and so I'm wondering how you felt about all of the universe hopping. It was really fun. 
I definitely enjoyed where everything was going. Um, I liked seeing the different universes. I would like to see more of the multiverse as we are going down the line. And I think that's where we're headed. I mean, I watched the end of Loki again before this because I thought that might play into something here. It did not, which surprised me, but I think that's where things are going. Um, I will say I wish that they would chill out with the camera movement a little bit because sometimes I get a little bit motion sick from everything being so swirly and tiny wimey. <laughs> but, but other than that, I thought it was really fun. And I think it um, expands a lot of possibilities for where, what the MCU could be down the road. What about you, Christy? Yeah, I mean, they definitely embraced the madness part of the title, right? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> um, for sure. I like that when they're cutting through each of the multiverses as they're falling, um, that it is like sort of that scene from uh, Inside Out where it gets very like existential and <laughs> broken apart. They're paint mm -hmm. at one point, as Matt was joking, um, you know, it, that you don't know what to expect when you have an infinite number of other universes. Um, so I like that aspect. I do agree. Like sometimes it might get a little shaky cam and make people that are vulnerable to feeling nauseous feel a little sick. Um, <laughs> but it was fun that they, they played that up for strange that he's like, no, I've done this all the time. I'm fine. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it, it was cool. And it, you know, I, I wanted to give a huge shout out as well to, um, just the style even of Wanda's action. Um, they took a huge risk in having this route of a more horror type Marvel movie. Um, and her whole like breaking out of the mirror dimension, um, following them down the tunnel, all of those scenes where you're going, am I watching a superhero movie or a horror movie? Um, oh, yeah. And that's what you get too when you pick the director, Sam Raimi, who also directed all the Evil Dead franchise. That makes a lot more sense. Yep. And so that's the big thing I've been telling people is it's it's a different style. Yeah. It's not going to be like Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> well, and I feel like the universe needs that shake up a little bit. Every movie can't be the same like cookie cutter superhero flicker right. it's gonna get really dull really fast they have to experiment and that it still rides that line of like it's not into r-rated territory yeah it's creepy it's not disgusting and horrifying yeah i definitely enjoyed like the staggering foot drag that wanda had in the tunnel yeah one of the things that i felt like was really done well in uh, you know, you mentioned that Sam Raimi, director here. I think this is since Winter Soldier, there really hasn't been a movie with a visual stamp and feel that's been unique in the way that this movie has. Part of that is the horror elements that Raimi is able to bring in, um, the camera movements that he uses that create that horror element, um, and just the way uh, they did all of the action and the differences in the multiverse and, uh, you know, the places that they they went to um, and I think even just the colorization of those things and the lighting of those things 
just all really well done. And it created a Marvel movie to which had a distinct visual eye to it um, that we just haven't had enough of. Uh, and I'm really glad um, this movie stood out. And I thought its action was really good and interesting because of that. Um, and it wasn't one of the Marvel movies where I'm watching and just thinking, wow, that doesn't look great or that looks like it needed to be recomposited or, you know, any of those type of things. I just thought they did a very good job um, and I just had fun watching it from start to finish. And absolute best scene of the movie, not only utilized action, but the soundtrack perfectly was the symphony battle. And that was so mm. inventive and so cool that I was like, wow, Danny Elfman was perfect for this score. And the way they scored that and the action there was phenomenal. I'm so glad they did that. Mm -hmm. That was a really unique take. I enjoyed that scene a lot. The only thing about it <laughs> that I didn't love was I wish there had been a different way to animate the whole music note piece of it. I don't know. it. That part felt a little silly to me, but I loved the composition of it. I love Danny Elfman and that dark style that would pair really well with Sam Raimi as a director. Um, and the idea of that scene was very cool. I just wish that it had been animated a little differently. Well, all in all, I'm very excited to see where uh, both of you fall then with your ratings for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I would give this film about 7.8 gifted watches out of 10. Oh, that's a good one to rate with. Yeah. I really, I enjoyed a lot of the film. Um, I would like to see braver choices made as far as redemption other than, like, it, I could very easily retract this down the road if we get to see an actual redemption arc for Wanda. She's my homegirl. I'm biased, but I would love to see an actual redemption arc and that does not end in self-destruction. Um, I think those are worth exploring because we see that same trope over and over and over again. So I think that would be my biggest. I would, I wanted to see something more happen there, but other than that, the music was great. The action was great. Everything was beautifully shot, beautifully acted, um, I liked the tongue-in-cheek horror that they were sprinkling throughout it or heavily dashing. So, yeah, no, I thought it was a great film. What about you, Christy? I feel like we're talking about a cooking class now. Right? <laughs> a dash of this, a sprinkle of that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, I, I would say there were definitely a lot of things that I liked here, and then there were a few things that I would have just tweaked. Um and, you know, like I said, I, I feel like with the idea of the character for America, that it's an interesting way to go. There were, I just, I wish that she had been introduced differently and that they would have actually not left it as surprise to then see in the movie that they had advertised that as part of the trailer rather than just passing by her um, and not explaining that she was going to be integral to the plot. Um, and I, I just wanted, um, same thing as you, Amanda, with Wanda. 
um, you know, it's unfortunate the way that her story seems to wrap up here. Um, I hope that she gets to actually have some positivity at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I think that too, you could see it from the standpoint of someone who desperately wants some normalcy um, and someone to take care of. Um, Yeah. But I loved the music. Um, I definitely think they embraced the multiverse of madness (laughs) in all the scary and fun ways. Um, And so I would say that I end up kind of more middle of the road. Um, I would say maybe a six out of 10 um, injured cloaks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because poor little cloak. He's had it rough. <laughs> he did get his patch at the end. Yes, he though. did. He did. <laughs> uh, I would say. I don't know why I think it's a he. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would say this is eight out of 10 paint drops for me. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. And as I think, you know, anybody who's listening, I just really liked a lot of what the movie had to say. I thought it was really, really inventive uh, for a Marvel film. And I think the biggest thing I'm most interested in is is where all this is going. Um, you know, I don't quite know when it comes to phase four what we're doing. Multiverse seems to be a big part of that, obviously, but how all of this fits together and where the story is kind of ultimately trying to head, I'm not sure. So still very much in in limbo with that, um, you know, kind of stuck traveling through different multiverses and hopefully we'll get some answer to that soon. Um, but uh, Amanda, if you wanted to recommend... Uh, something for the listeners this week. What would you like to recommend to everyone? Well, since this is a Marvel movie and we in our house are actually doing like a full-scale Marvel rewatch, um, a couple weeks ago we watched Guardians of the Galaxy and I forgot how much I loved that movie. So if you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you have, go watch it again because that movie just, it's a good time and the music is great. One and two. One and two, yes, because the soundtracks, if anything, are worth it, and the um, the the naughty humor, it's good for it's good for some laughs. We all mm-hmm. need more laughs. Exactly, um, that's an awesome recommendation. I'm always down with that. Um, <laughs> I actually uh, went a little bit different this time and wanted to um, make mention as well from this movie. Speaking of Sam Raimi and Evil Dead, um, he loved working with Bruce Campbell who made a cameo appearance as the food vendor with the pizza balls. And then again, as a joke at the uh, end end credits. Um, So if you haven't seen a lot of Bruce Campbell stuff, the man is hilarious. And um, I'm going to make a callback to 2007, a series he was in called burn notice that was on USA network starring Jeffrey Donovan and um, was just a totally awesome show and also had Bruce Campbell in it. So if you've not seen Burn Notice, I'm not sure if you can stream it, but it looks like actually it is on Hulu. So um, I guess I'm going to go restart watching Burn Notice as well. I highly recommend checking it out. Well, uh, I am going to recommend to everyone uh, something that um, 
just finished and uh, really enjoyed, which was Star Trek Picard Season 2, which was phenomenal. And uh, talked about it uh, here on the network with Chris Jones in the Artificial Tango. But such a great season. And uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly encourage everybody to check it out. But uh, Amanda, if people want to catch up with you and see what else you know, you've got going on, um, where can they find you? If you want baby spam, head on over to at Twin Sons Amanda on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'm down with that. <laughs> baby spam. Yeah. Um, so you can also find the two of us on a show that we do together called Sabers and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. Skynet. Skynet. Thank you. <laughs> um, and then when I'm, uh, then you can find me also on social media at Bespin Bell on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well. Uh, and you could find me all over the place here uh, on the network, uh, as well as on social media under the name Matt Rushing Zero Two uh, here on the network, doing a bunch of shows, of course. Um, so I encourage you to check all of those out. Too many to list. Uh, you can also find me on the Nerd Party Network as well with a couple of shows. Uh, one's called Outpost with Drea Kaufman, and the other is Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back. Now you're here. Thank you.